So I got to tell you a story. So a couple nights ago, I don't, I don't know if I told you or not, but my family and I moved into the home of my parents. Uh, my parents are pastors. My mother is a prophet and a scary one. She's a, she's not a nice prophet. <laughs> she's, she's a scary prophet. And so when she says she's got a word for you, uh, that can be a scary thing. Uh, so the night before last, I was sitting in the living room with my mom and dad, and my mom looks at me and says, son, I got to tell you something. I said, uh-oh. And she said, you're not going to like it. And I thought, uh-oh. And she said, the Lord told me this two months ago, but told me not to tell you until an appointed time. And he just told me that the appointed time is right now. I said, okay. I'm already kind of trembling. <laughs> She said, the Lord told me, son, and I'm sorry to say this to you, but you have a spirit of rebellion. And I went, okay, all right. She said, let me tell you when the Lord told me. Now, let me give you background. I have always been very, very messy. I've always been like a slob. Like, I, I have always been virtually incapable of keeping my environment clean. You can ask my wife. Uh, it's been the greatest bane of our existence together as man and wife. So the way my wife deals with that is she always provides me a space. So we, we, we always have to have a house with an extra bedroom and an extra bathroom because I'm not allowed to use the master bathroom in the master bedroom and I'm not allowed to use the closet in the master bedroom. I have to use the closet in the extra bedroom. It becomes my office, and I have to use the extra bathroom. And so what happens is every time we move into a place, the master bedroom is clean, the master bathroom is clean, the master closet is clean, but if you walk into the bathroom down the hall, you can get an infection just walking in. And if you walk into the extra bedroom down the hall, you can get diabetes just by walking in. It's, it's bad. It's always been really bad. And my mother said to me two months ago, I was at your house and I was watching Alethea and I walked into your bathroom. And when I walked in, it was such a mess. It was, it was, it was a shame and a disgrace. She said, but when I walked in, I felt that there was a spirit there. Follow me for a second. And she said, I was so struck by the spiritual presence in that room that I asked the Lord, what spirit is this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is the spirit of rebellion. And she said, son, you've got a spirit of rebellion, and God wants to set you free from it right now. Now, did I understand what that had to do with rebellion? No. But... but but I've known my mom long enough to know if she sees it, it's probably right. So I opened up my hands. I did this. And she said, repeat after me. She said, I renounce. I said, I renounce the spirit of rebellion. The spirit of rebellion. And she led me through this whole process of deliverance. But what was crazy was when we got to the end of the prayer, all of a sudden I saw it clearly. Like, I could, I could see it completely, and I understood fully how this is a spirit of rebellion. 
I said, oh my goodness, I get it. And, and my mom says, you see it? I said, yeah, I can see it. She said, the Lord told me as soon as you go through this process, as soon as you get delivered, you're going to see it and understand it clearly. She said, and I hate to use this analogy, and forgive me in advance, but this is what she said, so I'm blaming it. It's her fault. She said, it's like when you sit on the toilet and you drop a deuce. You can look down and see it. The Lord told me that when you drop this spirit of rebellion, you're going to look down and see it. And you're going to understand exactly what it is. And she's like, can you see it? I said, yes, I can see it. She said, good, you're delivered. You're free. Now I had to explain to her because she didn't really understand what it meant. I said, mom, from the time I was a little boy, I've always had this thing in me where every time I take off my pants at night, I know I should fold them and put them away or put them in a laundry basket. But for some reason, there's this resistance on the inside of me that says, no. And I just have to drop them on the floor. And when I take off my shirt, I know I should put it in the laundry basket, but there's this resistance in me that just says, no. And when I use a dish, I know I should wash it and put it in the rack, but there's this resistance in me that just says, no. And I'm realizing today that that's a spirit of rebellion. Now, let me, let me break this down for you a little further. Rebellion is a relational reality. It always has to do with a failure to submit to some type of authority. However, there are many types of authority. When it comes to submission, there's many different kinds of submission. Paul talks about it in uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 and following. First, he lays out the principle. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he gives six examples of how to live that principle out. The first thing he says is, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, so the wife should see to it that she respect her husband in all things. So the form of submission that a wife offers her husband is called respect. But then he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might cleanse her by the washing of water, by the word that she might be a glorious bride without spot or blemish or any such thing. So the kind of submission a husband offers to his wife is called sacrifice. See, we've read this passage for so long and thought that Paul was being chauvinistic and saying the wife has to submit. No, the wife has to respect and the husband has to sacrifice. It's mutual submission. They're submitting to one another, but the kind of submission that a husband offers to his wife is different than the kind of submission that a wife offers to her husband. It's an appropriate form of mutual submission. And then Paul goes on to say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is the right. And he says, this is the first commandment with promise. He's talking about in the Ten Commandments, when in, I believe it's the, the fifth commandment or the, fourth, the fifth commandment, Paul says, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that your days may be long in the earth. So the first of the Ten Commandments that came with a promise that says, if you do this, God says, I'm going to bless you, was children, obey your parents, honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you and that your days may be long in the earth. So the kind of submission that a child offers his parents is called obedience. But then he says, fathers, encourage your sons and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And he says, don't be harsh with them or don't be, I, I forget the word now, but he's basically saying, 
Don't exasperate. That's what he says. Don't exasperate your sons, but encourage them and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The kind of submission that a parent offers to his children is called encouragement. And then he says, slaves, obey your masters. He's talking about every kind of relationship in which there is a, a, an employee or an employer relationship. It has to do with, with the business world, and it has to do with, with every realm in which that's the case. And then he says, masters, be fair to your slaves, for you serve one master, even Christ. Literally, the submission goes in both directions in every relationship, which means that in every relationship there's room for rebellion on both sides. And what I realized is that the way that spirit of rebellion worked in me was a failure to offer the proper kind of submission to my wife because my wife deserves to have a clean house. And when she asks me to keep my area clean, she has every right to have that offered to her. But I failed to do that. And what happened was, if you look at my life, you actually don't see how filthy I am in this one area. But there's this one area of my life in which I've allowed a spirit to operate and wreak havoc. And that's what the spirit of rebellion does, is it wreaks havoc. And this is what my mother says to me. It brings chaos in an area that it can control. You give rebellion just one area of your life, every other area of your life looks great. You, people come to our house all the time and they go, oh man, it looks so clean. Wow, your house is so clean. Oh, oh, it's so clean. Why? Because before they come, I vacuum the floors downstairs and I wash the dishes downstairs and we clean the counters downstairs. We're cleaning the downstairs or the outside, the, the public part, but upstairs I've got this private part of the house that's always a mess. And sometimes people come to me and say, can I use the bathroom upstairs? We're like, oh, that one's out of order. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go up there. <laughs> you don't need what's in there. There's, there's stuff growing. I, I can't tell you what's growing in that bathroom. I can't tell you how long it's been since that bathroom has been clean. I can't tell you the kind of pubes you're going to find on the floor and the kind of, the kind of uh, bacteria that's going to be growing in there. Like, it's, it's not good. The, 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 the laundry that's sitting on the floor, you know, the drawers that have been sitting there for ages and, and that need to be washed. And, and, and what I realized is that there's this one area in my life in which I allowed a spirit to operate in my life. One area. Now... This is the key. Um, when we go to Indonesia, how many of you have ever seen a demon manifest? Have you ever seen someone manifesting a demon? Lift your hands if you have. Lift them high. Okay. So most of you have never seen someone manifesting, manifesting a demon. Matter of fact, in the church in the United States, most people believe that there are no demons and that demons are not a real thing. It's just kind of this kind of biblical mythology. There's this whole thing called demythologization, and you read the Bible, and you read about demons and, and things of this nature, and you think that's not really real, that's, that's mythology. Just go with us on one of our mission trips. You'll see some real demons, like, manifesting through people, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, we visited these churches in Indonesia up in the mountains where no foreigner had ever come before, and what was happening in those churches was... Uh, they, it's called syncretism. They, they worshiped Jesus, but they also had witchcraft happening in the church. So they would sing worship songs to Jesus, and then they'd have this little witch doctor come out and do some incantations. And so they thought they could bring the two together, that they could have witchcraft in the church and the worship of Jesus in the church. And how many know that witchcraft is evil? Does anybody know witchcraft is evil? Witchcraft is of the devil, right? We should not have witchcraft in the church, amen? Right, but the Bible says here 
that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Which means that if I allow an area of rebellion in my life to operate in my life, I'm literally bringing an element of witchcraft into the house of God. It just, it's not as overt as it is in the third world. It's not like it is in the mountains of Indonesia, but it's, it's an Americanized form of witchcraft. It's an urbanized form of witchcraft. It's a modernized, it's a tech-savvy form of witchcraft. And we don't realize it, but if we let that continue to operate in our lives, we're actually making room for a spirit of witchcraft to operate in the house of God. And my mother said to me, she said, you have to get free from the spirit of rebellion because what's in the head is in the body. And if you've made room for it in your life, it opens the door for it to operate in the hearts and minds of everyone under your covering and everyone in your ministry. You've got to get free. So I opened my hands and I said the prayer. Now, I want us to understand how the demonic interacts with us on a regular basis. We don't often realize that we're interacting with the demonic when we are. Underneath all demonic activity, there's always something natural. So it does not start with something supernatural. The first thing you need to know is that a demon can't just come and take over. Like, a demon, there's, there's no space in your life that a demon could just come take over. Like, it, it doesn't happen. There's always underneath it some open door. And the open door is always some form of trauma that we have not responded to well. I believe it's in Acts chapter 8, uh, Peter meets this guy named Elimus, the sorcerer. And Elimus, the sorcerer, he offers Peter money. He sees this power of the Holy Spirit moving through Peter and John's life. And he says to Peter and John, I'll give you money and you give me that power. And Peter said, no, your money can go to hell with you. I mean, he literally says, your money perish with you, for you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. And then he says, for I perceive that you have been poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now, this guy was a sorcerer, which meant that he was an overt practitioner, an overt and intentional practitioner of witchcraft and demonic activity. Like, that's, that's who this guy was. And so I might look at the guy and think, I need to wage war against the devil when this guy walks in the room. But Peter looked at the guy and actually went deeper. He said, I perceive that you've been poisoned by bitterness. And what is bitterness? Bitterness is when we have a very natural historical trauma that's transpired in our lives that we simply did not know how to deal with appropriately. And because I did not know how to deal with that trauma appropriately, that trauma turned to bitterness and bitterness is a poison that poisons me all the way to the bone, all the way to the core. He says, you've been poisoned by bitterness, and once you were poisoned by bitterness, that opened the door for you to be bound by iniquity. What Peter is literally doing is providing this guy a roadmap for his deliverance. He's literally saying, the first thing you need to do is break free from your bitterness, which means you've got to forgive whoever you need to forgive, which means you've got to release whoever you need to release, which means you have to, you have to actively before the Lord release your bitterness to God and let him take it away and then you can be unbound by this iniquity you can be set free from this spirit of witchcraft or the spirit of sorcery that has bound you and so there's always a very natural root even in my life I always thought about the kind of the natural side because I've been asking the Lord for years like why can't I keep my 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 environment clean yeah I can't tell you how many times like sometimes like people who love me sometimes they come to my house and they go into my office and they clean it, like from top to bottom. Actually, somebody recently did that while we were out of town. <laughs> they went to our house and they went into my office 
And they literally cleaned and organized everything. It set my office up perfect. And I came home, and I was so thankful, and I was so proud. I said, you know what? I'm going to keep this clean. I'm going I'm to steward this. This is such a gift. I'm going to watch. I'm just going to keep this clean. From now on, when I take off my pants, I'm going to fold them and put them away. Ha. And when I take off my shirt, ha, I'm going to put it in the, the waistband, in the, in the, in the hamper. Ha. And when I have a piece of paper, ha, I'm going to put it in the right fold. Ha. I'm going to keep this space clean. So help me God. Ha. And I blinked three times and the place was a mess again. <laughs> I mean, it happened so quick. I was like, what? 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 I mean, it looked like a tornado swept through the room within 45 minutes. I was like, how did that even happen? It, there hasn't been, I, I, I don't even know how that happened. And, and I've been asking the Lord for years. How do I get past this? Like, how do I... How do I break this resistance in my heart to doing simple things like putting my clothes away? How do I break this resistance in my heart to doing simple things? You know, it, it manifests even like on my staff. Like, I'll give an example. Like uh, Aaron and, and Daniel on the other side of the bay, they're always asking me every Sunday to put the CG questions on the, on the Google Doc. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. Oh, yeah, 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 I'll, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Saturday night, they're texting me again, and I can feel their nervousness. Did you put the questions there? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm about to do, I'm about to right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm about, I'm about to do that. Yeah, 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 And Sunday morning, did you do it? Well, you know, I'm still kind of wrestling with the word, and I'm not quite sure what the word is yet today, so I, I wasn't able to put them up last night, but as the Lord clarifies the word, yeah, 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 and I always put them up like either right before service or right after service, and the Lord showed me, Benjamin, that's rebellion. Like, it's a simple thing that you know you should do. I bet Daniel and Aaron on the other side of the bay are jumping and shouting hallelujah like they just got set free, <laughs> like, like right now. Yeah, like they don't have to be nervous on Saturday nights anymore. I put them up last night, by the way. But just simple things, simple things that, but deep inside that rebelliousness, if I could give it a voice, it would say, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do? Mm -mm. No, I'm going to do what I want to do. I do it when I feel like it. I do it when I feel like it. What I experience as procrastination, God experiences as rebellion. And I realize that the one I've hurt most with that is my wife. Baby, can you please take out the garbage? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it. I'll get, but it's always later, later, later. Yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Two days later, you're going to take out the garbage? Yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. Garbage is piling up, six bags in the kitchen pile. You're going to take out the garbage? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Rebellion. Rebellion. A, a level of resistance in my heart that prevents me from operating the way I need to operate in, in order to have a right relationship with others. Because that is the purpose of rebellion, is to destroy every right relationship in your life, to make sure that every right relationship in your life has been destroyed. It brings chaos to whatever area we allow it to control. So the question is, now this is the key. What I, what I, want, us to, what I want to help us all understand is that all of us every day, we deal with spirits all the time. I, be, I believe it. We're dealing with spirits all the time. We don't realize that, first of all, every act of rebellion or disobedience against God 
is a spiritual reality. It's, it's never just a natural act. It's always a spiritual act. So every sin, every sinful inclination of my heart, seen or unseen, external or internal, there's a demonic basis to it, meaning there's always a demonic assist, right? Like, I can't go to the hoop by myself. I have to have an assist. And the enemy is always passing me the ball. I put it in the hoop, which means I bear responsibility for every action. But there's a demonic assist. The enemy is there to help me. He's there to empower my disobedience. It's, it's funny. You know, there's the grace of God, but there's also the grace of Satan. Did you know there's a grace of Satan? I'll give you an example. There was, <laughs> there was a guy at, at, at Living Hope who... Uh, Gave his life to Christ, but he was a big weed smoker, right? And he said that, you know, he, man, he, he, he loved smoking weed. But then he came to Christ, right? And, and he got saved. And he said like a couple days after he committed his life to Christ, he's walking down the street in East Oakland, and there's a bag of weed on the ground, like a, a bag of free weed. <laughs> That's the grace of Satan. Like Satan said, oh, you, you, you gave your life to Christ, huh? Here you go. There's some free weed. Just put it right out there for him. And he said, do you know how much temptation he had to go through in order to walk right around that bag and keep going? And the whole way, everything inside is saying, go back. It's free. You'll never get this opportunity again. He's like, man, I wish it was there two weeks ago, but it wasn't going to be there <laughs> two weeks ago. The grace of Satan, he always provides me an opportunity to act on my temptations, right? So knowing that, one of the things that I've practiced for years is the prayer of renunciation. Like I'm, I'm always seeking to discern how the enemy is trying to get involved, even with my daily life, and then I want to make sure I have no fellowship with him, right? And so that's why when my mother said this, I opened my hands. Like I want to make sure I have no fellowship with him. I don't want to have any fellowship with demons. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You cannot... Drink from the, t the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. Like, we need to make sure that we have no fellowship with demons. So one of the things I do is a prayer of renunciation. And the, and the prayer of renunciation is simply, it's just simply this. I renounce every demonic spirit, every satanic spirit, everything that is in opposition to the will of God, to the life of God, to the power of God, I renounce it. In Jesus' name, I renounce it. And, and wherever I feel the enemy trying to encroach upon my heart in any way, shape, or form, every day I'm renouncing something. I renounce the spirit of unfaithfulness, or I renounce this, I renounce this, I renounce that. But sometimes I can't see it, and I need somebody to help me see it. And so when somebody helps me see it, that's when, you know, I can renounce at another level. You know, my daughter, um, she's been having trouble sleeping at night. So we moved to Union City. She goes to school in Castor Valley. So we have to leave the house at 7.25 a.m. to get her to school by 8 a.m. And she used to wake up at 7.30 in the morning. Now she's got to wake up at about 6.45 a.m. But we're in a new place in a new house, and she hasn't figured out how to sleep there yet. And so she's going to sleep later, and she's waking up earlier. And so she's crankier throughout the day because she's got all of this, you know, she's this sleeplessness and this tiredness about her. And uh, so the last three or four nights, she's been getting really frustrated and really restless, and, and uh, she's tossing and turning, and she's moaning and groaning, and she's, she's begging us to lay in bed with her. And, and so I've been trying to help her get to sleep, and, and so finally last night, Sonny laid with her for like an hour, and she still couldn't go to sleep. And then Sonny just said, I'm sorry, baby, but i got to go to bed. And she left and went to bed, and, and then Alethea, she's got a cell phone, so she starts texting me. <laughs> and she's like... Can you come lay with me? 
And then she's like, please, with a bunch of exclamation points, right? So I was like, all right, I'm coming. So I go in the room. I lay down next to her, and I'm rubbing her back. I'm trying to help her go to sleep. And typically, that's all it takes, you know. Daddy rubs your back and sing the Aletheia song to her, you know, that, that half, you know, that's Korean Aletheia song that I made up, even though I only know five words of Korean. I, I put all five of them together. It is, Aletheia, Saranga, Kenshana, Beangopa, Choliowo, Himduro, Chareso, Baby, ah. <laughs> it's a complete nonsensical song. You know, Aletheia Saranga. Sarang means love. That's her middle name. Kenchana means you're okay. Beangopa means you're not hungry. You know, it's just. <laughs> Just a bunch of random stuff, you know, but I put them together and made a song, and I would sing that song to her, and she would go right to sleep. But these last few nights, that hasn't been enough, and she hasn't gone to sleep. And so last night, you know, I'm rubbing her, and I'm singing to her, and I'm patting her back, and I'm rubbing her, and she's just, mm, 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 like she's mad that I'm rubbing her. Mm, 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 mm. And finally, after about 45 minutes, and Sonny had already laid with her for an hour, I realized I bet the devil is involved in this. I mean, if I were the devil, I would try to torment the children of, of my enemies, right? So I said, baby girl, repeat after me. I renounce, and she goes, I renounce the spirit of restlessness, the spirit of restlessness, the spirit of frustration, the spirit of frustration, and the spirit that disturbs me, and the spirit that disturbs me. I command you to leave my presence I command you to leave my presence in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I receive the peace of God. And I receive the peace of God. And I receive rest from the Lord. And I receive rest from the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In five minutes, she was sound asleep. And she slept all night long. And this morning when I woke up, I, I, I was downstairs. I took the dogs outside, and then I was getting my coffee. And when I came upstairs, I heard singing coming out of her bedroom and I came up to the door of her room and she had worship music playing and she was singing and dancing while she was getting herself ready for church this morning she was just alive and awake she's not a morning person at all like she does not have a morning anointing but this morning she was up and alive and awake I believe that she was being tormented by the devil, and when she acknowledged that, that this was demonic, and when she drove it out, and when she identified it, and when she renounced it and drove it out, she got free. You know, I preached a sermon back in April called Committed to the Cry, and I told a story of how I picked Alethea up from school back in March of last year, of this year. I picked her up from school, and she had her report card in an envelope in her hand. And she said, Daddy, my teacher said to give you this. And I said, okay. And, uh, but before she gave it to me, she opened the envelope and pulled it out. She's not supposed to be reading her own report card, but she pulled it out. I'm like, baby, I don't think you're supposed to do that. And, she, and, and the first thing she sees and the first thing she reads is it says, summer school recommended. So she opens it, she goes, summer school recommended. And she starts crying like, ah! Oh, oh, and she starts screaming, and she starts crying, and she starts wailing. And I'm like, baby, it's okay. Summer school's not a big deal. Like, you know, you've been to summer school before. It's, but for her, it was like it wrecked her whole summer plan. Like, everything she had planned for the summer, everything she was going to do, every place she was going to go, it was, it was ruined. It was over. It was broken. Her summer was, was gone. And finally, I said, baby, let me see that. Because I thought to myself, it's only March. Like, how can they be recommending summer school already? There's still four more months before summer comes. And so she handed it to me, and I looked at it, and sure enough, it said summer school recommended, but the box next to it was not checked. 
I said, baby girl, it's not checked. You don't have to go to summer school. But she was still crying. Ah! Ah! I was like, no, baby girl, it's okay. The box is not checked. You don't have to go to summer school. Ah! Ah! And she cried all the way home. And when we got home, as soon as I opened the front door, she stormed up to her room, slammed the door, and I could hear her laying on the bed whimpering. Even though she knew that her worst fear did not come to pass, she couldn't stop crying because she was committed to the cry. Like she had already committed herself to the lament. She had already committed herself to the bad news. She had so committed herself to the bad news that she was unable to receive the good news. And sometimes we find ourselves committed to the cry and we can't let it go. No matter what we do, we can't let go of the cry. And sometimes what happens is there's legitimate mourning and legitimate grief. The cry is sometimes legitimate. In that case, the cry was not even legitimate. It wasn't even real. It was a fantasy. It was a lie of the enemy. And the, the devil does that to you all the time. He tells you he's going to destroy your family and he's going to destroy your health. And, and I hear believers, you know, repeating that stuff all the time. Yeah, I think I'm going to die of cancer and I think this and I think that. And I think it's just because there's lying spirits that are telling you, giving you all these reports that are negative. We've got to renounce that stuff and break that stuff immediately and not entertain that stuff. But other times, there's real mourning. Like, there's a real cause to mourn something has happened and the cry is legitimate and the pain is legitimate and it doesn't mean that it's demonic just because you're in pain but there's a point at which the enemy jumps on pain on mourning and turns it into torment I remember ministering to uh, a young lady whose father had died and I saw her go into this pit of despair and grief. And she was grieving for her father. And she was weeping and weeping. And every week we were ministering to her and her husband. And I saw every week she was deeper in the pit of despair when she was, when, than she was the previous week. And over the weeks and over the months, I couldn't get a grip. I couldn't figure out what was wrong and how to help her with this grief. Months later, she's still deeper in the pit than she was three months ago or four months ago or five months ago. And on the one side, you don't want to say, look, you've got to go on with your life. Like, you don't want to say that because that's insensitive and that's, like, some people grieve longer than other people and you can't tell people how to grieve or how long to grieve when the grieving is legitimate, right? And you also don't want to demonize grief. Like, grief is not demonic. Grief in and of itself is not demonic. But I started to pray and say, Lord, how do I help her? I don't understand what's going on in her life, and I can't seem to get to the bottom of, we cannot minister to her. She's completely inconsolable. How do I help her? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit made it perfectly clear that what was happening was grief plus demonic torment. And because she was in grief, she accepted the demonic torment and interpreted it as simply part of the grief. She thought, for me, this is how deep grieving goes. But she was not grieving. She was in hell. She was, in, she was being tortured. And when we met the next week, I said to her, this is what the Lord showed me. You're not just grieving, but the devil has jumped on this grief and turned it into torment. You're going to need to grieve for a long time, but you don't need to be tormented for another second. I'm telling you, you can grieve, but you don't have to be tormented. Here's the good news. The good news is that we can break that torment off you right now if you open your heart. And she opened her heart and said, let's pray. And we prayed, and she renounced that torment of the enemy, and from that very day, we saw her begin to come out of the pit. We saw her begin to rise up, and we saw her begin to come to a place of wholeness. There's a demonic assist 
There's some aspect, some place in your life, some room in your life where you've allowed a spirit to manifest itself. It doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed. It doesn't mean that you're owned by the devil. It doesn't mean you're a child of the devil. You can be a child of God. You could be a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God, a true believer in Jesus Christ, walking uprightly before God, on your way to heaven. Your destiny is before you, and it's just about to break out, but still have a bathroom or a bedroom in some part of your life where the enemy is allowed to operate. It doesn't mean your whole life is filthy. It just means that you've got to deal with this one room in your life because if you don't deal with this one room in your life, one day that room is going to affect other people. I began to realize, and my wife began to say to me, do you realize that now your daughter is becoming really messy? That she's nine years old, and she's starting to pick up that spirit now. And I said, oh my goodness, i got to get a hold of this. Why? Because it doesn't just affect me. It affects my daughter. It doesn't just affect my daughter. It affects my church. It doesn't just affect my church. It affects everyone who comes through the doors, everyone who hears about the church. It begins to spread to everyone. And this is what the author of Hebrews spoke about in Hebrews chapter 12. He said, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, lest there be any immoral person among you he said, looking carefully, lest there be any root of bitterness that springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. The word of the Lord today for us is simple. That God wants us to look through the rooms of our life and of our heart and to identify, have I allowed a spirit to operate? Is there something that's more than the natural? Is there something, am I receiving a demonic assist in some area of my life? Is there some area of my life? And you know what? The, the answer to that question for every single one of us in this room is yes. Over there at Emeryville too. Especially y'all at it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the answer to... The answer to that question is yes. We've all got areas, and if we're not cognizant of the work of the devil to resist it, the Bible says resist the devil and he shall flee from you. But what I find is most believers have never intentionally resisted the devil. Like, do you on a daily basis find moments where you say, devil, I resist you, you must flee from me? Where you recognize that, that something that's coming to your mind or heart is from the enemy. It's not from your natural mind. You realize that there's three spirits at work in the world. And these three spirits are responsible for everything that happens in the world. Every action is the product of some spirit. There's the spirit of God. There's the spirit of man. And there's the demonic spirit. And every action comes from one of those three spirits. There's the spirit of God. There's the spirit of man, and there's the demonic or satanic realm. And everything that happens is the work of one of those three spirits. And, and, and many things that happen are the work of two of those spirits in fellowship with one another. When I'm in fellowship with the spirit of Christ, there are works that flow from the spirit of Christ that I can work. And when I'm in, in fellowship with the demonic spirit, there are works that flow forth from that fellowship with the demonic. And we must have the discernment to divide between the two and say, this is God, and this is the devil, and this is the spirit of man. And I understand that this, there is a purely human realm. There is a realm in which this is just trauma. This is just pain. It's not demonic. This is just a question. It's not a rebellion. This is just a concern. 
It's not opposition. There is a human realm that, that every single one of us enter into. But we simply have to be careful not to allow the demonic to influence us in any realm of our lives. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us to begin today to pray the prayer of renunciation. If you're married today, you've got to understand that not all the conflict that happens between you and your spouse is natural conflict. There's a such thing as the devil, and if I were the devil, I would want to destroy your marriage. You've got to recognize sometimes that there is a spiritual source to the division between you and your spouse. The devil tries to get in your relationships with your children. He tries to get in every relationship of your life, in every realm of your life. He wants to get in, he wants to get a foot in the door, and he wants to wreak havoc in that area. But here's the good news. The good news is that he's already been defeated. He was defeated 2,000 years ago when our Lord Jesus Christ hung on a cross between earth and heaven with nails in his hands and feet and a crown of thorns upon his head. The scripture says that on the cross, he triumphed over powers and principalities. He made a public spectacle of them. We are already victorious. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's why the Bible says if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And I want to end with this story. Several years ago, I was ministering at a church, and after the church was over, a young man walked up to me. He was about 18 years old, 17 years old maybe, and he was just dark. Like, not only had he, you know, blackened his hair and his hair was covering his face, he had black eyelashes on and black fingernail polish and, and a black trench coat down to the floor, and he just kind of had this, like, he walked up to the altar like, you know what I mean? He just had this kind of like dark, like ominous, like. And so I said, uh, he said, I just wanted to tell you, and he's like freaking out while he's talking to me. He said, I just wanted to tell you that uh, your message really spoke to me today. And so I knew this guy's demonized. Like, this guy has demons. And they're about to manifest any second now. So I said, uh, will you come with me into this office over here? Because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I don't want to do this publicly. You know, I know what's about to happen, but I don't want to do this like out in the open in front of everybody. Because it could get bad. You know, I've seen it get real bad. So we go into the room, we close the door, and I said, we sit down on the couch. I said, why don't you tell me about yourself? And he said, well, I'm a witch. I said, oh, okay, you're a witch? Yeah, I'm a witch. I said, well, how long have you been a witch? He said, oh, about four years now. I said, well, how did you get into witchcraft? He said, well, I was an outcast in my school. Nobody wanted to be my friend. Nobody wanted to play with me. And nobody liked me. But then this group of witches came alongside me, and they befriended me, and, you know, they promised me that, number one, they would accept me, but, number two, that if I came with them, I would have power. I said, oh, so how did that work out for you? And he goes, well, you know, actually, it, you know, in, in a sense, it worked out great because, you know, I did get power. Like, I've seen crazy stuff happen, like stuff you wouldn't believe. I said, I can imagine so. And he said, but on the other side, I've got no peace. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm nervous and anxious and afraid all the time. Because, like, these spirits are not friendly. And they, could, they can, like, destroy you at any time. And um, I said, well, uh, how would you like to get free? And he said, well, I don't think that's possible. I said, why not? He said, because I've already made covenants. Like, I've already given my life to this thing. And there's, there's no way for me to get free from this. I said, I guarantee you that you can be free. 
Would you like to give it a try? He said, yes. I said, here's how you can get free. You must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, surrender your life to him, and renounce your allegiance and your covenants to these demonic spirits. And if you do that, you can get free. And he said, okay, I would love to do that. I said, all right, just repeat this prayer after me. I said, Father, in Jesus' name. And as soon as he tried to say that, the demons began to manifest. And the way the demons manifested was the, the devil was trying to stop him from saying the prayer. And he went, like you could see this war on the inside of him, this power that was on the inside of him wanted to hold him captive and, and keep him in that place of bondage. And I said, you can say it, Father, in Jesus' name. And he said, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you asking you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. He struggled through it, but he, he said it. And I ask you to free me from every power of darkness. Free me from every power of darkness. His eyes are twitching. His whole body is seizing up. Like it's, this, it's a powerful manifestation of the demonic. But when he gets to the end of the sinner's prayer where he receives Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, invites him to come in and reside in the deepest place of his heart. And then he renounces every power of witchcraft and sorcery that he's been involved in. Renounces every incantation. Takes off every piece of occultic material like the ring and the, and the, the necklace and the amulet, whatever it was, he takes it off and throws it in the garbage and renounces those associations. He finished the prayer and I spoke over him and said, you hear that devil? This man has given his life to Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I break your power. I command you to get out. And he blinked three times, and he stood up and began to worship Jesus. He was completely free. How did he get free? He got free simply by receiving Jesus. Like, he got free simply by aligning himself with Jesus. He got free simply by fully surrendering his life to Jesus. He got free simply by renouncing and rejecting every foreign lordship from over his life, by breaking every covenant with every other reality that he had made. He got free the same way all of us get free when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What we don't realize is all of us go through that deliverance process when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that what we're doing is we're not just simply getting a go-to-heaven-free card when we die. We are renouncing foreign lordships. We are making a decision. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I am now the property of Jesus Christ, and every devil in hell can go to hell because I don't belong to you anymore. And that's what it means to become a Christian, not simply to espouse some philosophy or even a group of theological tenets, but it's to transfer the lordship of my life to Jesus and say, so you are my Lord, and your name is the only name, and every part of me belongs to you. And I will not bow to another Lord, to another foreign Lord. goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. I am Yahweh Eloheinu. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt on eagle's wings. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And you shall not take to yourself any brazen image. No other name. No other lordship. No more consulting with 
with with with uh, fortune tellers or 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 what do they call that? Horoscopes or or astrologers or going to the cloud. No, no, it's Jesus. It's not astrology. It's Jesus. It's not fortune tellers. It's Jesus. It's not horoscopes. It's Jesus. It's no other Lord. It's no other God. It's no other name. It's no other association. But that commitment, that transfer of lordship to Jesus, it must be stewarded every day. Because every day the enemy tries to encroach. And he knows he can't come in and take over the whole house because Jesus is living in the house. So what he does is he looks for an open window and just tries to stick a finger in the window. And he looks for an open door, even if it's just cracked. And he just tries to stick a toe inside that door. And if we let that toe stay in the door, he pulls the door open a little bit more and tries to get his whole foot in the door. He's constantly trying to encroach upon the house of the righteous. I'm not saying this to bring you into fear. I'm saying this just so that we can be alert, that we can be awake. It says, be on your guard for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We must resist him steadfast in the spirit. And Paul says that we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. we got to understand that every day the devil's trying to knock you down. you got to make a decision that I'm going to stand in my place and I'm going to steward the life and the victory that I have in Christ Jesus and you know that whenever the enemy is trying to bring you into a place of fear, whenever the enemy is trying to bring you into a place of doubt, whenever the enemy is trying to bring you into a place of rebellion, whenever the enemy is trying to bring you into any place, you got to stand. And you got to say no. And you got to check every window. And you got to check every door before you go to sleep every night. When you wake up every morning, Check every window and check every door. And, it's a, and, and do not walk in fear. Because the devil cannot come and take over your life. But steward the place of victory that he's given you. Walk steadfastly in the liberty by which Christ has set you free. And do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. You know what I find? I find that the devil is defeated whenever I expose him. The devil is defeated whenever I expose him. And whenever I identify something that the enemy is trying to do, if I can expose it and speak it out, the enemy's trying to bring this. I speak it out. I bring it into the light. If it remains in darkness, it can grow and fester. But if I bring it into the light, I can be set free. When he can't hide anymore, that's when he's defeated. That's when his back is broken and suddenly we find that we can walk in confidence suddenly we find we can walk in joy suddenly we find that the joy of the Lord is our strength suddenly we find that no weapon forged against us shall prosper and every tongue that rises up in judgment against us we should refute it should be the normal daily practice of every believer to rebuke the devil and do you realize that even the weakest believer can rebuke the devil even if you just received Jesus yesterday you've got the authority to rebuke the devil but you rebuke him not by your own power but by the power of Jesus name I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about this church where there was a whole bunch of hell's angels that got saved and there was this hell's angel section and it's like, you know, 
hundred hell's angels over there in this section. And in the middle of a service, the pastor got up and grabbed the mic and said, everybody get on your feet and curse the devil right now. And all these hell's angels jumped up and said, you mother <laughs> and started like cussing at the devil, like really cussing at the devil. So it's like imagine in the middle of worship, all of a sudden you hear all these expletives coming from over here, all these FUs and you mother, you know. <laughs> and the pastor's like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> uh, you almost got the idea. <laughs> But we're going we're gonna to clean that up a little bit. Learn to pray the prayer of renunciation. You keep the devil out of your life. You give him no place. That's why the Bible says, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Do you realize, if I let the sun go down upon my wrath, I've given place to the devil. I let him come into my bed and sleep with me at night. Mm -mm. No place. No place. The prayer of renunciation. The prayer of renunciation is the means by which we steward the freedom that we have been freely given in Christ Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Bow your head. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I speak your blessing over this house today. In the name of Jesus, I Thank you for those here in San Francisco and for those there in Emeryville. I thank you that you're speaking to us today. And you're speaking to us today because you've come to this house to bring us a new level of freedom. A level of freedom that goes beyond anything that we've ever experienced before. Lord, some of us are not accustomed to rebuking the devil. Some of us are not accustomed to resisting the devil because we're not aware that he encroaches in our lives. But God, I truly believe that for each and every one of us in this place today, many of us are going to experience a new level of freedom when we walk out of this place as we rebuke him and we refute him and we resist him and we send him forth from our tent. What's going to happen is we're going to find new life. We're going to find new joy. We're going to find that there was stuff that we couldn't do before that now we can do places we couldn't go before that now we can go, things we couldn't say before that now we can say. There's so much freedom and so much joy that comes from exalting the name of Jesus above every other name. Lord, the scripture says that the weapons of our warfare are not of this world, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you put those weapons in each and every hand today. Weapons that are not of this world, but are mighty in God. That everyone in this room would rise up and say, I don't have to be defeated by the devil. My Lord Jesus already defeated him. And I can walk in victory. I can walk in freedom, and I can walk in faith. Everyone under the sound of my voice right now, if you are willing, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Simply repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce every power of witchcraft, every power of rebellion,
every spirit of fear, and every work of darkness that seeks to operate in my life. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord, my only Lord, and your name is the only name. You are the only king. And today, I submit to you. My whole life. My whole heart. My whole soul. Because you died for me. And my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill my heart and to cover me and to protect me from every lie of the enemy that I might walk in the victory by which you have set me free. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray these things. Amen. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over every soul that has prayed this prayer today. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command every power of darkness to break off of every life. And I declare freedom. Freedom for every captive soul. Father, let none of us walk in the deception that says there's no such thing as Satan. There's no such thing as demons. There's no such thing as hell. But teach us to walk in the truth. But I thank you, Lord, that as real as the demonic is, you are more real. As powerful as Satan is, you are more powerful, and so we don't have to be afraid. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have triumphed over every power and principality, and you made a public spectacle of them. And you have given us your victory. And that's why no weapon forged against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment against us you will refute. We give you glory today in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. 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 God bless you.